Welcome into a new episode of Get Fiddles and Paradiddles. My name is Chris. My name is John. And we are here to bring you a an action-packed episode. I already feel it, John. Do you feel it? Oh, I feel it down in my plums. <laughs> in your plums. Yes. <laughs> nice. I feel it down in the plums, in ready plums. to be uh, taken from the farmer's market straight to your house. Woo, okay. <laughs> nice and juicy. Nice and juicy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tell me about oh. your, tell me about your week, man. What's the, what's the week been for oh, you? Oh yeah. Same, same old same, you know, just doing my thing. Uh, you know, um, getting ready for the holidays, mm-hmm. uh, getting, getting all my, my, uh, my church praise and worship gigs on, uh, mm-hmm. busy, Busy December, as I'm sure you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Got double got double duty at church this Sunday, playing at two. Uh, uh, my my regular church and um, playing on another one Dang. up in North Georgia in Dawsonville. So nice. uh, looking forward to that. Um, and just kind of, you know, getting getting the getting that whole thing uh, prepping for that. Uh, what about yourself, Chris? I imagine same it's about for me. the same. Yeah, I mean, this year, the church I'm at, we're doing seven services across three days, um, two nights two nights worth, which is two services each night, and then the uh, the Christmas Eve services. There's actually three services that day. But the uh, the music is quite adventurous, and I've been I've been working working in that quite a bit. Um, Good. You know, lots of production, lots of volunteers. They're anticipating like 35 people involved to pull it all off with cameras yeah, and audio lot. and everything. That's a lot of production, man. Yeah, so a lot of moving parts. We got our first rehearsal coming up um, this next week. We'll do band nice. rehearsal, and then they're doing something they're calling a blocking rehearsal, which means okay. everybody shows up, and we run the whole show like twice, and then mm-hmm. if they like it all then we're ready to go you'll be ready to fire away awesome good deal it's good man i love that we uh we got the church thing it's this is uh it's always a a very not not only a humbling thing to be a part of it but it's a very uh calming thing too because it's something you can you can depend on yeah for sure man and and it's so um you know um i'm very fortunate to be able to do that because for so many years i kind of kept it at an arm length you know mm-hmm. what i mean you and i talked about it a lot when we were on the road man yeah. you know it was one of those things to where i was just like ah. yeah I, I was kind of um i just had a lot of preconceived notions some of them true most of them not right and i'm glad that uh i i took my buddy shannon Corey up on his offer um because it has been a it's been a real blessing for me to be able to do that. And, and, um, like you said, it's just good to count on that stuff, man. It's mm-hmm. very, very calming and mm-hmm. all the stuff that goes along with, with, you know, um, giving God the glory for your talents, bro. That's you know, cause that's, that's, it. that's what it's all about. That's so what it's about. That's what it's about. Well, John, yep. good, good, exciting news. Our, our, uh, our, 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 our incredible Georgia Bulldogs are, are headed to the SEC championship. Oh, my goodness. They're headed there to rip our hearts out and show them to you before they stop beating. No, yes. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> um, so tell me what yeah, you think about I, this. A lot man, of people are saying um, LSU is just going to be a blowout. What do you think? Well, first and foremost, I want to say that um, I'm just happy to be relevant, Chris. Yes. I'm happy to be relevant in December. Playing college football late in December is uh, something that a lot of Georgia fans were, you know, weren't accustomed to for, you know, before Kirby came to town. Um, It was elusive, uh, right? It was. never happened. uh, Save Kirby's first year of coaching, you know, um, you know, three straight years of winning the SEC East, man. I mean, that's. You know, that's what I want, man. I want to be able to 
number one, first and foremost, is beat my rivals, mm-hmm. which is Florida. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Georgia Tech. You're not a rival. Sorry, nope. I hate nope. it. Nope. Definitely not. Being able to say you've beaten Florida three straight years is really it it uh it, it dingles my dangle chris a lot <laughs> you're dangling you know, your plums yeah. right yeah yeah down in my plums um you know during the the end of the mark Richt era it was just it was a shit show man you know it was really it was hard to justify like why am i following this team like what are we doing Right, you know, we we're, we're supposedly getting these top five air quotes re- recruiting classes and doing nothing with the talent, and and you know, come to find out, you know, people that that say coaching doesn't play a part in it are fools because that's that's the, you know, that's the other part of the equation. You get the you get the Jimmys and Joes, but then you got to coach them up, man. You know what right. I mean? So right. to wrap up my 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 diatribe here, um, <laughs> I'm glad to be relevant. Um, it's super awesome, uh, being, um, being champions three straight years, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very daunting task, man. I mean, LSU, uh, you know, I think the stat is they've, they've beaten their opponents by a combined score of like 38 points or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's going to be the best team Georgia's seen all year. I would, I would venture to say, Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a game. I, anybody saying it's going to be a blowout, I think it's crazy. But uh, even I mean, listen, Georgia, it, could, it could it could be it yeah. could be if, if if the if if the Georgia team that lost to South Carolina gets off the bus, it will be a blowout. <laughs> yeah, indeed. That was that, so, was, that was a sad it, day. It, it was really bad. But, you know, I think that they got that out of their system. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like. Anytime Georgia, especially now that Kirby is got his footprint all over this program, there's nobody that's giving Georgia a chance to win this game. Mm-hmm. Nobody. Mm-hmm. No nobody. Way. No way. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that Kirby is telling those kids, those, you know, 75% of them are freshmen, right? that nobody's giving you a chance and you've been, you have the best defense in college football. And they're telling you that you can't hold this team under 30 points. I think they're going to come out full of piss and vinegar. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that I hope that uh, they're really going to make it tough for LSU to move the ball. Because I think, conversely, this is the best defense LSU have seen all year, all year long, mm-hmm. without a doubt. The next closest defense they played was Auburn um, back in October around, uh, I think it was, I think it was around Halloween. Um, LSU beat them 23 to 20. But when you go and you kind of, you know, and obviously me being a nerd, football nerd, you know, I went back and looked at the stats and went and watched the, the highlights of the game. And, you know, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, you know, it, it was not an easy win for LSU um, at all. Um, it was a bloodbath, mm-hmm. if you will, an SEC bloodbath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got LSU who they were nine for 19 on third down. Nine for 19. Wow. Okay. 
according to my math, that's less than 50%. Yep. Right? I mean, yep. that's good. That's good. But for a potent of an offensive LSU has has for them to be less than 50% on third down, that gives me, that gives me some confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, they both had an interception. Uh, passing yard wise, man, they, you know, they, they threw the ball around. They, they had 321 yards of passing and Auburn has a very, very underwhelming secondary, something to be desired, if you will. Georgia's secondary is leaps and bounds better than Auburn. So I don't think that they're going to be able to chuck the ball around the, uh, uh, the field. Um, and the other thing too, is they had 187 yards of rushing LSU dead Georgia. You ain't going to get 187 yards rushing on Georgia. That ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. No way. Just, it's, it's not going to happen. Nope. So I think, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be kind of like a boxing match the first quarter. Or so you're going to, they're each team's going to kind of be feeling each other out. Uh, I think the key to the game is Georgia's defense. If we can get a turnover or two and limit their possessions, man, it's we got a shot, man. I mm-hmm. think we really, really have a shot. Yep. Well, it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, I think it's set for is it four o'clock? Four o'clock. I believe so. It's either four, four thirty, probably four yeah. o'clock at the uh, Mercedes Benz Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> down in downtown Atlanta. Nice. Um, so I think the even more intriguing thing, if not to, I hope I don't jinx this, but if Georgia were to win, more than likely, uh, they would still remain at number four. And if Ohio State wins their championship game, which is highly likely, you would see Ohio State playing Georgia, Ooh. which would be very ironic because uh, Justin Fields, who transferred from Georgia last year, is Ohio State's quarterback. Wow. And a lot of UGA people feel like he should be playing quarterback for Georgia and not Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I I just got a feeling in my gut that that's going to be the case. Mm. And you want to talk about some pissed off redneck Georgia fans <laughs> if we lose to Ohio State in the playoff <laughs> with oh. the quarterback that should be quarterback in our team. Oh, boy. That's tough, man. That Stay would, away that, from that. That that would be a tough one to swallow, man. Honestly, that would be more tough if that scenario happened, Chris. That would be probably worse than what happened when uh, Alabama beat us in the championship game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about just a complete? I mean. That would be terrible. Let's move on. I don't even yeah, think yeah. <laughs> One game Let's at a time. On. One yeah, game one at a time. One game at a time. SEC championship. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I think Georgia's going to show up. I think it's going to be – I don't know. I'm not – you know, I, I, I think it's – I'm going to say – I'm going to say 24-21 Georgia. Wow. That's, that's pretty good. I'm gonna say Rod. I'm gonna say Rodrigo kicks the game-winning field goal in the fourth quarter to bring it home. Okay. So just so our listeners know, we are recording this uh, episode on uh, uh, about three days before the game here. So by the time this episode goes out, we will uh, we will know whether Georgia has won or not. So our speculations will we'll we'll see. it's going to be interesting to see how it comes I can't, out. I can't wait, man. Like I said, the main thing is I'm just glad to be relevant. Um, mm-hmm. we're, 
we won our division. We won the SEC East three straight years. We've beaten Florida three, three straight years. It's nice to be consistent. You know what it I mean? Is, like man. it's not it a is. fluke. It's not, Chris. It's not. You know, and as much as people bitch and moan about Georgia, you know, there can only be one champion, dude. That's okay. It. There's a lot of it's it's hard, man. It's really hard. You know, mm-hmm. you, Alabama's and Clemson's are the exceptions, man, because you just don't it's hard to win multiple championships in college football because you just don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. from week to week. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep, can't wait for the game. Should be a, a, a classic slobber knocker SEC, uh, typical SEC game. I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be high scoring at all. And uh, I hope uh, I hope Georgia pulls it out, man. Yep. really do. Hopefully so. Well, guys, we've got a, a, a very deep – topic john and i agree it's a very deep topic and uh we're oh, gonna yeah. we're gonna get to it here soon i think that it, this should be uh i'm just gonna put this out there a topic that gets you thinking and gets you oh, yeah. talking. It'll definitely it'll definitely get you thinking and talking about yep. about what we're about to discuss for sure for sure well guys let's uh hang with us just a little bit and we'll be right back All right, so John, title says "Making It versus Making It." A little confusing, mm, you think? It's a double. Is that a double entendre, Chris? Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. So let me break things. Let me break it down. Uh, what we're talking break about it down today, for us, Chris? Yeah, what we're talking about today is simply art versus commerce. Um, mm-hmm. and these two mm-hmm. things are basically the 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 things that pull at us as not only musicians but artists in general you know um you think about someone that's either a painter a sculptor um even a dancer whatever it may be uh even if you're a screenplay writer it comes down to art versus commerce right we all want to we all want to put our stuff out there that's ours and we feel proud of it and it's unique right right Right. and and it's something we can kind of hold on to and say that's ours but most of the time, that doesn't make you a lot of money. So in comes the commerce piece, right? Mm-hmm. So, Inevitably. So make it scenario one is, you know, what we all think about, you know, A-list, singer, songwriter, rock star, whatever it happens to be, hears about you, discovers you on social media, YouTube, mm-hmm. word of mouth, whatever it is, you get picked up, you get the big check, you're on the tour bus, you're on the airplanes, you're flying all over the world, you're a rock star. That's scenario yep. A, make it, right? We would That would be categorized under the art um, category. The second one, which is the one that more than, more than half, probably more than 70% of musicians do, oh, yeah. is the commerce side. And yep. that's, that make it version happens to be defined by the player, right? Everyone's version sure, of make totally, it is man. different. And John and I, yep. oh my God, guys, we have talked about this so much, like what our version of make it means. So... We're going to break these things down a little bit and kind of just yes. have an open form of discussion here about right. um, what does it mean to sacrifice maybe what you feel is art and maybe where you've got some pride? Um, what do you mm-hmm. give up on either side? So scenario A, um, you know, rock star, A-list person, what, what are some of the things you think you give up in those situations where you're playing with someone that, that's touring quite a bit and you're like the guy? Right. So I think the first thing that you give up, um, obviously is your time, Mm -hmm. right? 
you have no time to do side projects, to work on your own stuff, to uh, play with other other individuals that maybe you grew up with in your hometown and they want to call you for some shows or um, if you want to start, you know, if you've got some instrumental tunes that you've worked up through the years and you want to start recording your own stuff, like there's no time for that. Mm-mm, definitely there's not. no time there's for no that. there's no personal music time right you right? you sacrificed that by by choosing scenario a yeah it, so scenario a is that's the biggest most daunting glaring i should say thing that you sacrifice is your time um you know even the stuff that we were doing um when chris and i were on the road together man like you have radio tours mm-hmm. you have you know show tours um, and you rinse and repeat, right? Yeah, it's, and then there's, it's, there's it's, pictures and there's stuff you sign and right? there's appearances. Appearances, and, you know. You know like show, uh, here, show up yep. here. I don't know any of these people, but I have to shake their hand and smile. Like there's a lot of that. Right. And, and in the case of, say, like, you know, Jason Aldean's band, he, he uses his band in the studio. So mm-hmm. when you're off of the road and you're doing your thing um, on, on the road playing shows, like you're – your your time off the road you're being scheduled to record new records right you know what i mean that's so so you you've got all that stuff that we just mentioned plus the studio work that's a lot of that's a that's a lot of your time right you know the other Um, aspect that that i would definitely say is glaring and weighs heavily is um you know the aspect of uh relationships i mean um going on the road uh going you know, traveling as much as I did, even before John and I were in a band together, uh, it definitely impacted my relationships quite a bit. It impacted, oh, big time, buddy. It impacted a, a big marriage, time. a previous marriage that, that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it ended in divorce. And, uh, a big part of that was the financial and the, um, the time aspect. I was always gone, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, it put a strain on my marriage, man, almost to a detriment because, um, I just had a, our second child, I mean, literally, you know, and I think I've used this term in other podcasts. She was freshly squozing out. <laughs> and, you know, a week later, we're doing the radio tour, man. Like, we're gone. We're at the tip of Michigan mm-hmm. um, doing radio tour, um, supporting the single. You know, and when you're playing with an artist that's not, um, you, know, you know, quote, unquote, A-lister, like, you you got to go. You got to hit every radio station, play every venue, mm-hmm. do everything you can to make yourself, to make your presence known, if you will, Chris, right? right? So you, you know, it's almost more work for, I guess what you want to call it, a B-lister or up and comer, I should say, um, because you have to really grind, man. You got to grind on the road, dude, like all the time mm-hmm. and you sacrifice a lot of that time home if you have, if you're married with your wife, if you have kids, you know, you miss a lot of birthdays, um, you miss a lot of, you know, chorus ensembles at school, a lot of, you know, uh, you know, going to eat lunch, you know, just that kind of stuff. And it adds up. It adds up pretty fast. It adds up, man. Yeah. It adds up, especially when you're, when your spouse is, is having to take up that slack, dude. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's a lot, you know, and it takes a special kind of, of lady. Mm -hmm. Um, to, to handle that stuff. And it ain't for everybody, man. And a lot of cats, you know, like, Oh, my, my chick, she's great. She's down for the cause, man. She'll, she'll support me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see how that works when you're on the road for two straight months. Right. 
and you've got a screaming baby or a newborn at home that won't go to sleep and your wife has to get up and go to her day job and she looks on Facebook and see that you guys are freaking kayaking down the freaking Rio Grande on your day off and she's you know schlepping kids around to soccer practice or or getting them from school or feet you know whatever everyday normal stuff you right. know real life stuff right it is super taxing on your partner so you need to make sure and we've talked about this in an you know previous episodes about making sure that you know you pick the right partner that's aware of the job description. So not to get too far off, off topic, but you know, it's, it's a strain, you it know, is. when, 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 when you don't have the ability to say, I'm going to take some time off, you don't really get that. They tell you when, you know, if you're, you know, if you are involved in scenario a that we described, you know, you may get a day off, couple of days off a month depending on what your tour schedule and parent schedule and radio tour schedule is you may get a day off a couple of days off mm-hmm. you know um so that's that's something that you really have to you have to make sure that that's something that you really want to do and you're ready to sacrifice right you know well that's some of the stuff you sacrifice in scenario a obviously some of the benefits of Scenario A, make it, you know, with the big, the big star, the big writer, whoever it happens to be, that artist, um, is that you're, you know, you're in, you're in technically a unique situation. You know, yes, you're still playing guitar, drums, bass, what have you. Um, but you're playing with an artist that's putting out original music and you're doing an original thing for the cause of, you know, art, right? This is, this is right. what you signed up to do. Either you went to school or you practiced and you went, you, you put in the time, you, you did the grinding and the networking in your hometown and word gets out. And next thing you know, your name's being dropped to the right people. That's great. You know, obviously you had to put all this time in up front to get to that place. And there's some, some great benefits that follow along with it. But I think the other thing is that if you choose that route, um, you probably have to grind a little bit longer because there's not a lot of money along the way. Um, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. choose not to, to go scenario B, uh, which we'll get to here soon. Um, you know, some of it's the part-time job thing and, and saying yep. yes to the free gigs and all this kind of right. stuff, but a lot of that, that stuff pays off. Um, you know, John and I, we've, we've tampered with scenario A and it was, uh, it definitely took yeah. our toll on our, our relationships. It took our toll on our time and probably our health, which we'll find out in maybe another oh, decade yeah. or so. Yeah, for um, sure. But the thing that, that ended up through all of that, I think that most musicians will go through this filter, uh, because we all come up and we've got our musician heroes and our, our artist heroes, and that's the route we want to go. Art is what scenario A and art is what draws us into this in the first place. You know, we're all artists in our own right. Um, so um, I think going through that filter, depending on if you, you either stay with it long enough and become successful or you stay with it long enough and then it, you start to figuring out like the definition of what scenario A means may not fit yeah, what yeah. your version of making it is. Um, and yeah. I think that's that's definitely what's happened with, with John and I is that we learned through our chasing of scenario A that maybe that wasn't the version of make it for us. Um, and scenario mm-hmm. B happens to be the, the exact thing, which, you know, I feel like you have more control. You have more say so. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you want to travel? How much right. do you want to make? Um, right. Don't take the gigs that don't pay enough. And if you don't, Correct. if you only play, t- you know, twice a month, well, that's on you. If you want to take some cheaper right. gigs, you might play more. Um, so let's talk about the uh, 
Same, same thing. Scenario B, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're playing for the commerce side, right? You're playing for the money. Correct. The art, the art isn't as important. Obviously you're playing your instrument. That's great. Um, but the, the, the art aspect of it is, is kind of getting pushed down a little bit. And the commerce side, you want to make money as a musician and you're taking those gigs playing, uh, you know, play that funky music a lot. Right. Um, oh, yes. so, so tell me, oh, yes. tell me in this scenario, John, what do you think you sacrifice, uh, for commerce? Well, I think, uh, you know, a few things, I guess, um, I guess I think the biggest thing that you sacrifice is the artistic creativity, um, of, of being able to play your own stuff or being an original band and having that, those, those, um, you know, moments of inspiration where you're all sitting around and you're writing together and you, you're like, man, this is a really great song. Um, we may be onto something here, you know, let's go work this out. Or you write a collection of songs with your band and you start to record a record and, you know, you kind of find out, wow, this is really good stuff. Um, you know, you don't get that artistic creativity playing boogie oogie oogie or brown eyed girl mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so that really is the fork in the road chris that's where the you turn left and you have your craft or you turn right and you have your art right and that's the that's the i think that's the biggest sacrifice uh for the commerce end um is that you don't have that artistic um that artistic side of you that you're able to express because mm-hmm. you're just playing, you're playing covers, right? Right. Right. You're playing, you know, you know, the, the, the standard issued cover band songs, you know, if you're, if you're, cause more than likely that's what you're going to have to do in order. That's what I did when I got out of school. You know, I, that was my first real gig was, you know, a corporate band. Right. And, um, I had to learn 200, cover songs, you know, top 40 cover songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at first I was so just hungry for the gig, you know, I wanted to show off my abilities playing those songs, mm-hmm. learning those songs mm-hmm. and, and taking the stuff that I'd learned at school of how to learn the song the right way, copping tones from the record, making sure my rhythm, you know, chops were, were right on. Cause a lot of that stuff was, you know, it's all rhythm chops, man. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like you're learning Ingve Malmsteen, you know, lead lines, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, right. Rit- you know, rhythm, you know, pocket playing stuff. So I wanted to, I, I took pride in, in the fact that I'm going to learn these songs and I'm going to not only learn them, but I'm going to nail them inside and out the tones, the feel, all of the above. So you kind of get lost in that, um, at, uh, at first. And then, you know, around about year three of that corporate band playing boogie, oogie, oogie and brown eyed girl. And, and you're just like, Oh my God, this is killing me. Mm-hmm. I would much rather be, you know, I was really into jazz and I was like, I would much rather be playing jazz standards. I mean, it's, it, they're covers, but at least I get to improvise. I get some sort of artistic creativity outlet through a jazz standard, you know, I could, I could express myself, I guess. So that, I think that's the biggest thing that you sacrifice with going down the commerce route. And I think you might agree with it is just the, the ability, your, 
your the the way you express yourself is kind of there's a governor on it. Yes, definitely. And I would say to kind of to piggyback on that, that I think the the um the downfall and possibly the the weakness that some musicians, I won't say all, obviously not all, but some musicians they leave the art lane, right? Scenario A didn't work out. I'm going to go down this lane and they've still got the mindset that they're trying to be an individual guitar player, bass player, drummer, musician, whatever. And they want to stand out. And I think this is, is a, is a bad thing to do. Obviously I'm speaking uh, and I will, I will honestly own up and say I'm speaking from experience. Uh Mm-hmm. When you start taking those gigs for money, you're being hired to do a service. No one cares yep. about you, Mr. Individual as a drummer, Mr. Nope. Individual as a guitar player, what have nope. you. Play the parts, get on stage, be on time, be nice, be a cool hang, all these things we've talked about previously in other episodes. Do your job. That's it, right? So I think about it the same way yeah, as man. if I was being hired to lay brick or pour a driveway or whatever it may be. Like you're a subcontractor at the end of the day. It just happens that you play an instrument. Um, and right. trying to stand out and be an individual is is a, is a slippery slope. And if you want to get callbacks and these kind of things, just like I say, building on what John is saying um, – you know, do the job. You chose the commerce path because it was the it was your version of make it. it you know, it, do the job and do it really well. And I promise the callbacks keep coming and coming and coming. And the next thing you know, you're an in demand musician in your yeah, local area, totally. and that's what you wanted, right? Totally, you wanted to be man. in demand. You wanted that's to make it, that man. money. Boom, that's huge. Um, yep. So that's just my only advice. And again, from from personal experience, um, you know, you got to be careful with holding on to the. Uh, I'm still an artist. I'm still an individual, you know, right. When you choose the commerce path. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard, you know, especially, you know, especially for guitar players, man, you know, guitar Mm -hmm. players are, are the, are the worst kind of people. Let me tell you, um, not all of them, not all of them. them. I kid, I kid, Mm -hmm. I kid. Um, it's really difficult to let that cut that umbilical cord away um, luckily the band that I was in, the corporate band that I was in at the time, I was surrounded by world-class musicians. Uh, one of which has been on the podcast, Shannon Corey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would, I was guilty of going up there and, and instead of, of learning the guitar solo that was on the record note for note, I would like learn the first bar of it. And then I would just do my own take this this is what i think should have been on the record right 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 not 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 right what what larry carlton or yeah. whoever did it you know or, yep. or mike yeah. landau or, or <laughs> jay Graydon or lukather like nah I, i'm gonna do it this way yeah yeah and those guys you know that was one of the things that 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 i learned quickly it was like that's what they would tell me i would always ask especially shannon um, I would always ask him, be like, Hey, what do you think of my set tonight? What, how, how did I sound? Do you like my tone? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, one of the most consistent things I was told was like, man, just learn the song, man. Play the song, how it was recorded, mm-hmm. learn it note for note and just play it back. Right. And eventually that, that, uh, that nail penetrated the, the wood, so to speak. Right. And I was like, okay, all right, well. I guess that's what I need to do. And that's exactly what happened, man. You know, I started, you know, focusing in on and learning these covers note for note and other people started to take notice and uh, I got 
started filling in uh, for some friends of mine that were in corporate bands that had conflicting dates. And, you know, once they heard me play, they told about, they, they told other people that, Hey, if you need a guitar guy, call this dude. So it's a snowball effect, man. And right. once I saw that, once I saw that, you know, uh, a root starting to grow and permeate in the ground, I was like, man, this is really something I can hang my hat on, man. Like more so than this pipe dream of, you know, going on tour with, with tool or, or <laughs> you know, or whoever, right, you know, right. whoever at the time I was, I was into. Um, and I think that that, that, that's, that's something that is a, it can be a humbling piece of pie to eat as a musician, um, is that more often than not, that's how you're going to make it in the, in this business is playing those type of gigs, man. Exactly. Consistently. Yep. Yeah. And that's what you're, you're striving for is that consistency. And the thing that I'm, I'm, you know, most probably carry the most pride in and John and I've both discussed this is that, like he said, you know, learn the song as it is the tones, the, for the, for you drummers, the drum fills, the hits, the accents, was there a push? Was there a diamond? Like pay attention to all these things. And I take a lot of pride in saying, you know what, I'm going to learn this just as it is. Cause it's almost like, it's almost like, imagine if someone were to tell you a story and of course that person's going to have their own inflection. They're going to have their own way that they enunciate certain words. And if, if I were to tell you, okay, now you've got to tell me that story back. You got to learn it that way with all that inflection, with all that enunciation. Um, and that's what it is, man. Just learning all those pieces, uh, and having pride in saying, I can, I can copy this exactly the way this was. Cause that's what is, is asked of scenario B commerce musician. You know, it's just, you got to be, um, you know, ready to pick up that particular part of it. And if you're going to, if you're going to have pride in anything, it would be the way you carry yourself. It would be the way you, um, you know, you're on time, you you learn the part, you show up, you're professional. Like these are the things that I think for me, that's making it, you know, like I know for for John, that's, that's it too. It is it, man. Because that's like you said, man, I mean, that's, um, that's what you're, that's what you're trying to be as, as a working musician is to get callbacks, man, yeah. is to be, yeah. is to be relevant in your town or city as a viable professional player. Um, and you know, that's the real, that's the achievable, like you can make that happen yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're um, not waiting on someone to, to come and cherry pick you. Right, exactly. Because quite honestly, that requires a little bit of luck. Mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily a. I don't know how to describe it, Chris. I don't. I don't know if there's a door that you can kick down in order to get that A-list gig. It seems like you either you get lucky and get cattle called into something like that, or you have been playing with that artist before he broke it, broke out big and got big and he brought his band with him. Well, like, like we've, we've heard the stories before where it's like you, it's all about who, you know, 
But yeah, eventually you get to be known yourself as a musician and you know people because you've put in that work. Like we mentioned before for, for scenario A, what have you sacrificed to build this huge catalog of, of acquaintances and contacts? And then out of the blue, somebody hits you up and they're like, hey, dude, this guy needs a drummer. You need to go to this audition, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, you've made it right. But, but all that front work that could take five, eight, ten years you know, before that happens. Yeah. And it usually does, man. It takes a, a good, a good, uh, a good decade, man. I mean, I would, for me, it took me a good 10 years for me to get my name established in circles that, uh, that, that, you know, people were like, Hey, call this guy if you need a guitar player. Right. You know, um, some people, you know, takes a little less time, you know, some people it takes more time. But it, it, it all depends on your, um, you know, on, on your level of want to, yeah. you know, how yeah. bad do you want, want to be a, mu- a working musician? Right. How bad do you want to be able to, when you fill out your tax return and it asks what your occupation is, you can put musician, touring right. musician, right. musician, whatever. Professional musician, whatever you Professional want to say. Professional musician. Yeah. You know, that's what you have to do in order to do that. And I think the other thing to circle back to around to your point of things that you sacrifice doing the commerce route is you have to take a lot of crappy gigs. Yeah, you do. You do. And that right there, that wears on your soul more than anything is taking those doo-doo shows that you know (laughs) you have to take because that's just part of it. Yeah. You know, you get to a point to where, you know, um, not to get off on a tangent, but you know, you devalue yourself by, by doing that over time. Right. Right. I was just about to say, you got to be careful with those kind of gigs. You don't take them because you want to establish yourself, your name, you want to make money, all these kind of things, but you do have to be careful how long you stay with something like that. Don't get attached. I think that's the other part about scenario B and like you calling your shots about how you make it. Just since you do call your shots, then if you want to quit a band, you need to quit. If you feel that it's like degrading your name or it's wearing you out, you know, it's, it's killing your ability to, to work with those people. It comes down to relationships at that point. And you can call the shots and say, I, I yep. can't do this anymore. Yeah, totally, man. And um, it, it happened to me, man. You know, it, it, there were gigs that, 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 that I had to do in order to call myself, quote unquote, working musician. And it was absolutely just eating my soul. It was devaluing me as, as it was devaluing my, uh, my commerce aspect of it because I had been doing these for so long because it was something I thought that I had to do because you don't turn down a gig. Right. 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 Like that's kind of like the, you know, you have that etched on the back of your hand when you're getting started. It's like never turn down a gig. Anybody that, that was your teacher or your mentor would be like, take every gig you can, you know, which, which in the beginning is absolutely the case. Play, don't turn down a gig, but eventually once you get your, find your, find your lane, find your niche. And if you're a good player, um, I, I think that's quite the opposite. I think you have to be a lot more, um, picky and choosy about the gigs you do. Um, even if that requires you to go out and find a day job or find a part-time job that you can have some steady income because, your the value that you're placing on yourself at that point 
is more important than just taking every show. Yes. Preach, right? preach. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's, you know, I think it's something that I've learned as I've, as I've gotten older and wiser and you and I have, have, have sussed this out over the years since we've known each other and, you know, time goes on and things change and you change and your, your priorities change and you start to realize that, you know, a, your time is the most valuable commodity you can ever, ever have. Yes. Because it's fleeting. You never yeah, it's get fleeting. it back. You can't make it back. Yeah. You, we, we can make more money. We can do all kinds of things to, to, you know, time, time, time is, is always going away. Well, John, there is a third scenario, which actually, uh, I knew a guy that, that this fits totally into is he went to Berkeley, graduated Berkeley and out of Berkeley, he had no interest in pursuing scenario A or scenario B. He went after mm-hmm. a third option, which was just to be a teacher. Yeah, uh, yeah, he was totally. a, he was a high level te- guitar teacher and and piano teacher, um, and it ended up being a uh, a really lucrative thing for him, and he knew it would be. Uh, but this this also kind of fits into scenario B because instead of being a player, you've become a teacher, but you're still calling your own shots, right? This is yeah. your version of making it, right? That that is, and um, I think that that is just as important as. Um, you know, wanting to be a touring per, uh, player or, you know, play around your, you know, your town, you know, do the corporate band thing and uh, taking every gig you can. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a teacher of music. I mean, God knows that we need more, you know, the, you know, just the arts in general is, is such a, it's scoffed at here in the States, man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, it isn't held to the esteem that it's held in like say Japan or in Europe, you know, if a musician or, a, or, or a professor of music, of music or a music teacher, say here in the States versus somewhere over in Japan, I mean, they're going to roll out the red carpet for that person over in Japan. Right. Right. Because it's, it's a revered, uh, the arts are revered over there, man. You know, so being a teacher of music is a great way to make a living and 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 be a professional musician. Well, right? I, and I know a lot of people, and I did it for a while. I'm kind of doing it now, where you do both. You know, like instead yeah, totally. of you know going I mean, 100 percent into teaching, right. then you do teaching on the side, and then you do your side gigs, and you do that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. So it's, it's cool to be able to combine those. But let's let's just remember this is your version of making it, and you're able to call those shots and say like, since I have my time back now. Mm-hmm. And I can I can say yes to this gig and yes to this student or just yes in general that I want to be a teacher to supplement my income. You've got the power to do that. Uh, I think that's yeah. that's a huge thing for for anyone that, like you said earlier, wants to be quote unquote a working musician. This is how you get there. Like you don't you don't do it by chasing after you know the scenario A situation. No, not at all. Now that 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 we're in the world of technology, you know a lot of guys are supplementing their themselves by having a YouTube channel or mm-hmm. having a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, like such as ourselves. Boom. <laughs> you right. know? Exactly. So it's not all about, you know, because, you know, selling a million records and getting a record deal and that those days are kind of, that's a thing of the past really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that does happen. 
Um, but it's few and far between that whole business model is completely changed. Yeah. I, w- I think you would agree with that, Chris. It's, so, I mean, the better word for it is probably dead. Like that it, model yeah. is, it's dead. It, yeah, it's dead. Like, you know, it's, I've heard some totally people say dead. when they, when they're asked f- several musicians that have been doing it for a while, um, what do you think of the music industry? Their, their response is what music industry? That's not a thing yeah. anymore. There is no. no music industry. Like no. the players and the artists have so much more power now than any corporation could have. Yep. It's, it's, it's exactly right. So you've got guys who are just, for instance, you know, are touring musicians, but they don't tour, you know, 52 weeks a year. There's a, there's a touring season. Uh, they'll go out with their artists, uh, you know, just insert artist a, that's their main gig and they'll go out and tour with them. And then they'll have breaks in between that, that they're doing a YouTube channel or doing a podcast or, you know, supplementing their free time by um, by keeping up with with the new the new model of the music business, which is what we're doing: podcasting, YouTube right. channel, right. Twitter, social media. Right, like that's your side hustle, right? Mm-hmm. That's 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 the side hustle, right? You know, you don't that that gives you the ability to not take those crappy gigs those really low under under your value paying gigs that you shouldn't be taking right just because you feel like you have to take them so so to circle back around you know being able to be a teacher is going to allow you that ability to pick and choose if you want to go out and play live shows to supplement your income i mean it's perfect i mean every when i was at aim that's exactly what 90% of the teachers were doing they were teachers first and they would go out and play you know, a corporate band gig here and there and, you know, you know, play a jazz gig with, with, with the jazz cats when they came through town and, you know, it was supplemental, mm-hmm. right? They mm-hmm. were teachers. They were teachers first. Like that was their, that was their main gig. So there's nothing wrong with, with being, uh, with teaching music. You don't necessarily, it doesn't have to all be about playing an instrument live on stage in front of people or backing up an artist, that's not, that's one way to do it. Right. You know, and if your goal and your dream is to be that, then pursue your passions. Life is short. Do, do what makes you, what you think is, is, is what you, you feel like you want to do. But you have to understand that the cold, hard reality of this business will set in quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have to make sure that you keep yourself, keep your options open. Yes. Yes. Keep the, keep the, when, you know, the whole state saying when, when one door, when, when a door closes, a window opens, I would say be real careful closing doors and burning bridges because you never know. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely don't want to do that. And, and, and the other thing too is, is that, you know, and we've talked about this before, like setting your expectation levels. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was, when I was at AIM, uh, in the old AIM building, the president of the school, um, was an A&R guy for a record label and he ended up signing Matchbox 20 to their big record deal. And so you walked in the school and that's all you saw was Matchbox 20 plaques Mm -hmm. on the wall. Mm -hmm. This was back at, at Matchbox 20s, like their, their their breakout. Yeah. You know, they were selling millions and millions of records and the guitar player that was in the band got plucked from AIM. Mm-hmm. So I remember vividly walking in that school every day. And the first thing I would see is one of the Matchbox 20 plaques, man. Like, 
10 million records sold. Right. And I'm like, man, I'm, I can't wait till I graduate. That's going to be me. <laughs> I'm going to do that. You yep. know? And yep. You realize quickly that no, that's probably not going to happen. However, that's great um, motivation but for, it, for, for exactly. students. I so, mean, wow. So that's the, I guess that's the, really the moral is that the motivation level from that was, that was huge for me because that's what it did. It kept me always hungry to, to better myself on my instrument. Cause I knew obviously the guys that were already at school were, were phenomenal players and I had to, you know, toe my end of the, of the bargain, so to speak. But, um, what a, what a, what a bar, you know, you said, whether you, you, you appreciate their music or you're like that, it, it's irrelevant. The fact mm-hmm. that a student from AIM got that gig yeah, and, 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 and launched him into the stratosphere is quite, quite the bar that you are trying to achieve. Right. 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 That's the, that's the ultimate scenario. A, like you said, takes that luck factor, but that guy had been putting in a lot of work, obviously on his instrument, but also it probably, his name had been circled around and he had, he had went out there and did the networking and all those things. I mean, everything's a factor in, in scenario a, you know, just, just, you gotta, continue beating down the doors and like yeah. raising your hand, like, Hey, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. So in, right. the, in these days it's, you know, staying on social media and growing that following and yep. posting videos and content constantly, you know, it's just, um, I, th- I think the takeaway here, and I, I want to be real careful, uh, kind of pump the brakes is that we're really not dogging on scenario a, you know, no, make it big no. musician not and trust, all. trust I mean, us. Listen, if, if we could, if we could have done that, and we could have done it, you know, in hindsight, probably wouldn't gotten so involved in relationships, probably right. wouldn't gotten so bogged down in maybe financial things that would allow us more financial mm-hmm. freedom. So we could do those mm-hmm. things. So, you know, maybe you learn from us old musicians that if, if you definitely want to do that, do it. But be careful tying yourself down, whether that be to a relationship, to financial, you know, stuff that, that you're going to be required to take care of, whether that be credit cards, student loans. I mean... Just yeah. Just be careful because uh, again, at some point, money begins to leverage and become more powerful in your life than time. And then when that happens, yeah, you have to make a decision that says, "Well, uh, maybe my version of making it is different," which is okay. But it, it's definitely a hard, hard pill to swallow when it first hits you. Yeah, for sure. And I think anything in life, man, you, your your uh, uh, your compass is constantly adjusting. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. So, um, that, that I pretty much couldn't have said it better myself, Chris. That's the main thing is that, uh, you know, value yourself, know your value as a musician, figure out what you want to do and pursue it, but also be flexible and realize that, that time is the most valuable commodity that you have. Yep. Um, you know, more so than your chops, you know, it's your time, you know, that's what people, um, beyond your skills as a musician, that's ultimately what they're paying for is your time. Yep. Exactly. Right? So you need to make sure that you're using it, using it properly and that you, it is, it is, um, not being wasted, I guess exactly. is the, the moral of the story, Chris. That's perfect. I think that's a great way to end it there, John. Uh, you guys go out there and hustle and figure out what your version of making it is. And, and if it works for you, then it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, if, if, if your goal is to, uh, get on that road with, and, and, you know, play with the red hot chili peppers, you know, then, then do it, man. Let that be your thing, man. Let that go out there and, and be somebody, you know exactly. what I mean? Is that, exactly. Um, but just, um, you know, 
just realize that uh, it uh, there's a lot more than just snapping your fingers and being in that band. You know what I mean? There's you, you just got to make sure that you keep your options open and just work hard. Yep. Yep. Well, John, let's move on to our uh, our song of the of the week. What makes that song great? Song I should say, song of the week, week is not it. What makes that song great? John and I are huge, huge fans of eighties of eighties music, but not the not just the cheesy eighties music. Some of that's all right. We wanted to to talk about a band um, uh, on this episode and, and definitely highlight a song of theirs that's more of a a thinking's thinking man's eighties metal band. Um, yes. they, they get called heavy metal they get called 80s metal uh but what i like for them to get called is progressive metal because that's what they are uh the band we're talking about is queen's reich uh incredible band from the 80s but their breakout success happened right at the end of the 80s when they released an album called operation mind crime but the album that followed it their fourth album was called empire uh empire uh came out in 1990 and mm-hmm. was probably their most like jaw-dropping album it's the one that got them a lot of grammy attention yep. and there was a song on there um called jet city woman which is a killer song and john what what, what makes it so great oh boy chris funny you should ask if i had a nickel for every time i said this on this podcast buddy you and i would be okay uh, wouldn't you know, it starts off with a killer guitar riff. Yes, a killer guitar a, riff. A, a very melodic, um, very almost Journey-esque yeah, type. Yeah, little haunting kind of in very, the tones, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just very super melodic, um, you know, kind of like, you know, metal meets Pink Floyd meets Journey guitar riff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the beginning um, that just sets the 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 whole vibe of this song um and you know to, you know obviously for me that's the foundation of a of, of of a staple of a good song is the guitar riff yep, yep. nine times out of ten i would say 9.9 times out of 10 if the guitar riff is memorable or is something that you can hum or remember on a drop of a dime then you then you're on to something you know, you know, rarely does a song start with like a drum fill with the exception of I want to rock with you by Michael Jackson. You know, that, <laughs> like that's the only one. How good was that off the top yeah, of my head? Man? That was that's really good. good right? Maybe walk this way. Maybe walk yeah. this way. You know, generally speaking, that's why I said 9.9 out of 10. Right, right, right. It's always a guitar riff. So and for me, you know, uh, my eldest brother just graduated high school uh, at this time and he was playing. This was right when CDs came out too, man. So the, the the fidelity on this thing, I remember, was just it was massive. The 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 guitar sound, the the engineering on this record was just amazing. I was like, my God, what a great, yeah, what a great fidelity, you know, because you had like the Pantera, you know, kind of metal, and the guitars were just really gritty and and heavy. But this was like a really pristine metal like progressive what you would think progressive metal guitars would sound like today right back in back in this time frame it was really kind of the the renaissance of it you yeah, know yeah or, or the rebirth of this just really polished produced refined guitar sound which for me is that's it man if you if you've got that going on i'm hooked 
take my money. Done. Well, a little uh, trivia about the song, which you may know, um, which was surprising for me to find out that um, the word, the, the, the terminology Jet City actually mm-hmm. refers to Seattle. Uh, I didn't know that Seattle, oh, know. Seattle the, know that. a nickname for Seattle is the Jet City. Uh, oh, and it was written, you know? it happens to be the band's hometown, which I did know okay. that. Yep. Um, yep. So, that. so the song talks about, you know, coming home to a family after, you know, being on the road. It's basically what the song's general meaning is about, you know, which we can, as musicians, we can definitely uh, relate to that, you know, long journey, oh, coming yeah. home to your family. And even if you're not a musician, you can relate to that. Um, but yeah, the Jet City portion actually is a, is a nod towards their, their hometown, Seattle. An homage, if you will. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so I believe Chris DeGarmo wrote that song, Chris, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I or, believe so. Um, it, it's my understanding that uh, from from just a little digging, it was it was written about Jeff Tate's first wife, and she okay, was a flight yeah. attendant. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, I've seen this okay. in a couple places on the on nice. the world the World Wide Web's. World Wide uh, Web. So even though it was written about her, I don't know if that necessarily means that he was the key writer, whether that be Jeff Tate or probably, Chris yeah, DeGarmo. It was probably, it was probably co-wrote. I would, yeah, I would think. Yeah. Um, little little. Um, and for, yeah. for the drummers out there, I just want to say, listen to this song really carefully. One of my favorite drummers, especially from this era, setting the bar for like progressive music. Um, you know, when you, when you not just say progressive rock, because if you say you're a progressive rock band, the first thing I think about is Rush, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Queensryche was a different element. I'm not going to say they were better than Rush. Uh, definitely don't want us to get, you know, yelled at. Um, yeah. they, they were one of the first bands who were actually calling themselves and labeled progressive metal, right? Yes. So there were some metal elements there. And one of the awesome elements, which is, is right at the end of the song, the riff at the end of the song, Dude. Scott Rockenfeld playing drums on this and was the, the guy throughout all those years, the China symbol that he's playing on the upbeat on oh, the and part yeah. against that. And it happens for just like one or two measures. I think it's like two measures and then it's out and you're like, it's, dude, it was so hooky right there. But that China yeah. symbol, like I always just remember met, that just massive metal. metal. That, yeah. Metal up your ass, Chris. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it's such a catchy it's, part. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was something that, um, you know, for me kind of trying to, uh, merge my, my musical taste of like the melodic Pink Floyd journey, and the metal of Pantera, Meshuga, like trying to find like the middle ground for that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Queen's right kind of put at the time they were they were yeah. one of the ones only ones doing it you know I and mean, this was this was pre dream theater you know queen's yeah. Reich was before dream theater just barely but they were they were there yeah. you know it was about 2 years 3 or 4 years you know they saw a little bit more success before dream theater was coming through um so yeah i mean it was it was they were laying the groundwork and it was it was very inspirational stuff especially in that time to to be even recognized by the 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 grammy uh, you yep. know, bored to, you know, to get some Grammy nominations with music that was, that was breaking out and being called progressive metal. I mean, dude, they were all, I remember they were all over the MTV awards, man. Back. I don't know if you kids remember, but MTV used to play music videos a lot, <laughs> a long time ago. And they had MTV awards back when like you had, everybody watched the MTV awards, oh, right? yes. Oh, like, yes. you know, you watch that. And, um, I just remember them playing live on there and, I think they, I think they probably played silent lucidity, but just the, I just remember how tight and how good they sound and the fidelity of their band was like, Oh my God, that is freaking amazing. Like Mm -hmm. that's just another, uh, uh, another log of wood that put in my, that was put in my furnace that just fueled me. I was like, okay, that's, 
like that's I kind of think I want to do that. You know, I want to sound like that. That's the tone that I'm going for. You know, that's the, you know, um, just that whole melodic progressive metal thing was really starting to take its you know take its hold in my influence during that and that whole record man the empire record man yeah. you guys give empire a listen it's great you you really should yeah. listen to it just like operation mind crime operation mind crime the album before it is actually a concept album so it tells a yep. story from front to back empire is not quite like that but you should definitely listen to it as a whole package um this yeah. is definitely the way music of that generation and, and and decade and era was meant to be listened to as a as a whole uh thing instead of just one song even though we are highlighting one song we would encourage you to listen to the whole album yeah it's killer i mean um the guitar riffs the vocals were just amazing um i mean just a really really unique band that you know uh, paved the way for the dream theaters of the mm-hmm. world man really mm-hmm. you know they they really kind of um they set the bar pretty pretty freaking high man yeah. you know i it's it's hard to imagine a progressive metal band I, to me they were probably the most popular or i guess commercially successful is the word i'm looking for there you go yep um of of that genre of music which is mind-boggling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know uh, and and you know some people you know i'm sure some people feel some kind of way about them you know with the whole silent lucidity and you know whatever listen they were very smart they they still had the integrity and they played the music that got them they stayed the ho- on the horse that brought them to the to the to the stream so to mm-hmm, speak but mm-hmm. you know um i mean they're they're set dude they set themselves up for for life man by doing what they're doing yep. what they did and that record that song jet city woman uh, amongst other that are that are other songs that are on that record i mean they they stand the test of time to this day i mean i was telling chris when we were doing our pre-show man i was on the treadmill and listening to it man and just god i mean the fidelity of it man is still yeah very relevant man we're talking 30 years john 30, 30 years freaking ago. years man it's we ain't talking about them we ain't talking about them pro tools we ain't talking no, about no. them reasons no pro we ain't talking tools. about them ableton's no this was tape tape you know, tape yeah you know on tape mm-hmm. and uh just amazing and just goes to show you that uh it's not you know the technology is great but it's also a crutch mm-hmm. you know if if your song is good you got good players and you got a good band that's it man that's the juice that's the magic right there that's it what is. you got to capture yep so uh can't recommend uh, the album empire by queens enough yep. yep uh jet city woman is an amazing track go check it out and um Anything else, Chris, you'd like to say? That's about it, the man. That's it, man. Just, just all I would say is I'm, I'm happy we're, we're highlighting some progressive music. You know, you know, that's where I yeah, have my hat. That's oh, yeah. My, that's my. Well, I, figured, fr- I figured you would, yeah. you would, you would dig that. And I meant to tell you about this. Uh, when I got off the treadmill, I was going to text you and be like, dude, I just listened to Jet City Woman. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. So. so good. So good. I will always have a, a special place in my heart for the for the progressive metal. Oh, yes. All right, Indeed. John, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up, man. I uh, I really think that we've hopefully given some some listeners something to think about, you know, so, yeah, some musicians sure. that may be either coming up or, or yeah. currently trying to go through the struggles as, as, yeah. as you know, scenario and, A, scenario B, whatever it is. Think yeah. art, think commerce. How do you merge the two? 
How do you pick the lane that you want to be in and how do you make it uh, something where you can call the shots, you know? Totally. And we'd love to hear from our working musician brethren. Uh, send us a, uh, you know, uh, hit us up on the social medias. Give us your two cents. Let us know if you subscribe to what we're saying. If you have a different opinion, we'd love to get some feedback and love to kind of pick your brain about what you this this topic that we're talking about because uh, i think there's a lot of differing opinions and you know it's good to get some dialogue going on with you cats so yeah, we'd man. love to hear from you and um kind of interested to see what your take is and um, maybe something that we can revisit and in, uh, in some episodes down the road and give you guys a shout out uh, um, on an episode if you have a really fascinating comment or something really good to add we will definitely uh, shout you out on the podcast and have your phone bill paid up because you're going to blow up after we do that, Chris. Okay? <laughs> Things are going to oh happen for you. So crazy. All right, John. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's get out of here. We'll leave these people alone. And, and guys, we will see you next week. And we are out. <laughs>